episode 902. Following a loss to the division rival Minnesota Vikings, the Green Bay Packers' playoff hopes are hanging by a thread. Is the season over? Is it foolish to hold out hope? It's all coming up on Railbird Central next. Good evening, Green Bay Packers fans, and welcome to Railbird Central on Cheesehead TV, coming to you live from Wisconsin's capital city in Madison, here at Birak Bar and Restaurant. I'm your host, Brian Kiravu, and I'm joined by my co-host, Ben Hofferman. Ben, how you doing today? Oh, I'm glad we're in a bar. I just wish there weren't so many people here because I'm going to get blue. <laughs> that was a rough game. This may be our biggest crowd to date. Oh, and there's a child. <laughs> oh, man, cover his ears. <laughs> All right, let's get to it. What the hell's going on out here? What the heck's going on? Come on, there's a child. I'll try to tell you, Vince, or we will. Ben, your takeaways from a 24-17 to loss. Packers to the Vikings. Oh, in a season where the masses are content to chalk a rotund outline on the pavement for McCarthy to bleed out in and make curious remarks in passing to him about, quote, nice mahogany caskets, we have receivers literally dissolving into time and space unless you have a better explanation for Exxon Valdez-Scantling playing 83% of the snaps and getting a single three-yard grab. we got a special teams that's a snap over the head and a 10-yard punch short of blacking out its blooper bingo board, and a quarterback that clearly has some contractual incentive to prevent interceptions over actually winning. But when McCarthy shook his fist at the peanut gallery and went in for went for it on fourth and inches in his territory and was stuffed, it didn't change anything, despite his wild gesticulations at Adams, who either ran a two-yard button hook or gave the worst attempt at a run block ever. Everyone was Googling the algebra for determining the X of McCarthy's new size given the Y of his hat size. It was bad. No one cares. McCarthy's done. <laughs> it was ugly. The season's over. This, this team's struggling in every facet. Stick a fork in them. Yeah. I mean, maybe we already knew that. McCarthy's toast. You know, outside of individual performances, the team is struggling. I think the one thing that we learned was how many trainers it takes to screw on Byron Bell's shoe, <laughs> which is three. <laughs> three. Yeah. No. Cue the animated owl. A one, a two, a three. Uh, that reminds me of a joke uh, appropriate being here in Madison. How, how many Wisconsin fans does it tell you, uh, does it take to tell you how, um, how great Ron Dane was? Or, no, pardon me. How, how many Wisconsin fans does it take to screw in a light bulb? I don't know. A million, like one to screw in the light bulb and 999,999,000 to tell you how great Ron Dane was. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's a bad joke. Anyway, and I screwed it up. We're and no one remembers Ron Dane. <laughs> Everybody remembers oh, Ron yeah. you're Dane. Still, you're still wearing his Giants jersey? Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Um, now, all right, so the season is you get, you, you're mostly it? over. You're holding on to that 5%, 3% chance or whatever <laughs> we have? I, I'm holding on by a thread. I mean, you got to as a Packers fan, right? You got to hope. Ah, you don't have to hope. You can just watch for the enjoyment of it or just pure scheidenfreude or, <laughs> or just to hate yourself. I don't know. All right. So I, I think we can agree that the schedule's rather manageable from here on out. 
But oh, yeah. how will this five-game stretch change your perception of this team? I, it's, it won't. It, I, it, unless they run the table, unless they beat the Bears, like I don't, I don't know what they can do to like really make me change my mind. I mean, and plus it's a bit paradoxical. You're, you're asking me to uh, change my perception based on something I think is going to happen. Like if I knew, if I thought it was going to happen, that'd be my perception already. This is like uh, the statement. Uh, the statement is a lie. <laughs> but you probably already think I'm BSing anyway. So. I, um, yeah, maybe they'll score more than 30 points a couple times. That would impress me. They've done it twice so far. Think about that stat. That's awful. But, yeah, if they beat the Bears and they run the table, then, yeah, you know, maybe I'll, I'll look at this team a little differently. I just the, – the opponents they're playing are so poor. Yeah, I don't know what – I'm so, not going to be fooled by it. You know, like when we shut out the Bills, I'm not, I wasn't like, yeah, here we go. Can, can they change your perception that from a bad team to a mediocre team? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, there's that sliver you're holding on. I like that. That's, that's, that's being hopeful. Yeah, maybe the, the team that gets the sixth and laughs, the wild card spot, they're, they're only a step above mediocre, right? Oh, man, we got, this, we got the same record as the Cleveland Browns. That, that, that this is, is where we are in the world. I saw today on social media that the Browns and the Packers are tied for right now the 11th overall draft choice in next year's draft. Remember when the season started and we're like, oh, let's, let's hope the Saints lose a bunch of games so we get <laughs> yeah. a sweet draft pick. It's like, no, we're the ones that are going to get the sweet draft pick. <laughs> Would have been nice if this <laughs> just had to be the Saints, didn't it? And, the, and they're going to end up winning the Super Bowl or something and oh, they're going to get the last well pick in the first way. round. <laughs> they're looking like it. All right. Uh, as we do every week, let's recap the last week's game with our chips report, starting with your blue chip players, the best of the best, the best players that were on the field this past Sunday. One of them, Devontae Adams. Have you ever had a fight in this bar yet? <laughs> we, we, we might start a brawl here. I didn't score uh, Devontae Adams too highly this week. Yeah? Granny, he's, he's talented. I know he's he's our man. He's, he's our one receiver that's a threat out there, but... Um, he had three grabs for 24 yards up until the last five minutes when Minnesota was more than willing to let us gain ground at the expense of the clock. He yeah. Had that, that touchdown he had was fantastic, and that was a, one of those great— Touchdown was fantastic. One of those well-thrown balls from Aaron Rodgers, that, those quintessential Rodgers yeah. throw. That was a great play. But outside of that, I, I— I guess part of it, too, is that— Rodgers also overthrew him on another, which he ran a great route. Should have been a touchdown. That was not Devontae Adams' fault. That was Aaron Rodgers' fault. Oh, yeah, he was wide open. You're yeah. right. You're right. But, again, that was in the last five minutes when I'm not oh, saying it, I'm not saying it doesn't game. count. No, it wasn't. It wasn't. When you're, when you're down to having to score again, onside kick and score again, I, I don't think that's really – I mean, it's like the, the stats don't matter as much. Yeah. So, like, you know, I agree. Uh, that, that does still count. Yeah. But, you know, I, you got to be – I'm not blaming Adams for it, but I just didn't think he was – I mean, you got to give a blue chip to somebody. I, I, true. We, we give the blue chips every week just because that's what we do. I did feel like maybe we – the best they topped out this week, anyone on the roster was like a red chip. There, yeah. there was no blue chip worthy player even. I, yeah, I agree. I, sh I should step back. No brawl in here. That is an underwhelming blue chip 
by default in an <laughs> underwhelming game. So, no, I agree. I mean, Adams is a he's a top tier. He's a, you know, he's in the discussion of, you know, the great wide receivers in the league. Yeah, yeah. It, certainly he's really stepped up his game this year in particular, I think. Um, Clay Matthews, your other blue chip player. Been a while since, like, you know, back in, like, 10, 2010, 2011, like, Clay Matthews would have been a candidate for blue chip, like, every week. Now, I don't think we've talked about him yet this year, except probably in the beginning of the year in, like, the cow chip category. Yeah, how about that? I mean, that was his most consistent performance for me. He was my most, my highest-rated packer of the game. He he got a decent push. Uh, he really broke down and, and chased the run down really well. He didn't score a lot of tackles with four. Two of those were for a loss, though, and all of them were impactful. They weren't just, you know, yeah. statistical anomalies or however you want to look at it. He, yeah, he played really consistent, and I was impressed by him today. Four, four, four solo tackles, five total, uh, two for a loss, and I thought even though he didn't get a sack, he did put some pressure on the quarterback too. Yeah, he was, yeah, he was getting the most consistent pressure, not maybe quarterback pressure, but he was maintaining his side of the line. Yeah. He wasn't giving up ground, which a lot of our defenders were doing today. Or yeah. not today. Sunday. Uh, your red chip players, the good, maybe not great. No surprise here. Kenny Clark being one of them. Yeah, oh, always. He's a, by default. Do you have a nickname for him yet? Didn't we come up with some last well, week? Well, I, I, there's a child in the audience, and now my <laughs> nickname is thrown right out the window. <laughs> if anyone can uh, remember back to that, what it was, just yeah. say it to yourself. <laughs> So, Kenny Clark, four tackles, one sack for a loss in nine yards. Of course, that, that being a tackle for a loss and a quarterback hit. But, uh, you know, just doing a solid job like he always does. He gobbles up space in the middle. Yeah. You know, and I kind of missed uh, old Mike Daniels. Yeah, I mean, they could have used him this game. I, I I finally understand how those two work t- together. They're, <laughs> they are different people. <laughs> For a while, they alternated, uh, you know, great performances, and I was starting to wonder if they were yeah. just one guy was swapping jerseys. But no, yeah, Dean they, Lowry they flashed well. though. Yeah, he did. He, he did. got a sack. He yeah. did all right. He did. Yeah. Uh, all right, your cow chip player, or pardon me, we're not through the red chips yet. Let me step back a moment. Your other red chip player that I I gave to was uh, running back Aaron Jones, and it wasn't like his greatest performance ever. Um, he had. Uh, 72 yards rushing on 17 carries, uh, a modest for, for, I mean, it's a good 4.2 yards a carry, but modest for him, only a long of 11, had the rushing touchdown, added uh, three catches for 21 yards receiving, so something like 90, what is that, 93 yards, all-purpose yards. Yeah, he, he played well, and when he gets the ball, that's when you, you realize what a spark plug he is. It, it doesn't always, yeah, he didn't blow you away statistically but with the with the passing game absolutely scuttling there's not getting anything done yeah he's still got his yards you know getting 4.2 yards per rush on a on a day like that is, is saying something granted we we give him a lot of draws up the middle maybe that are i don't know, kind of throw not throwaways but uh 
because and, our passing game is doing so poorly. But I still don't know if we're utilizing him yeah. as well as we should be. Like, he's that dynamic. Yeah. You know, like, he should be running around and really making the defense think. Yeah. Not the guy you just give the ball to in a panic and, yeah. and watch him <laughs> watch his athleticism get you four yards. The, the, the fourth down play was terribly blocked. Like, I couldn't believe how poor the offensive line did for, like, you know you're just trying to get, like, three inches, which is all you need, and, like, they whiffed on blocks. Yeah, and the Devontae Adams, granted it's, it's Devontae Adams, but the guy that made the tackle that really stopped it came yeah. off of the edge, and he he literally ran, like, a two-yard button hook <laughs> and then, like, looked. Like, you don't know it's going to be a run? Just get in the way. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, uh, honorable mention uh, this week goes to Ibrahim Campbell, uh, the safety who the Packers signed at midseason. And, again, not great by any means, but I thought he, no splash plays, but I thought he did a solid job tackling. I'll give you that. I I'm, I kind of want to plead the fifth just because I only scored him negatively on the game. Yeah? That only two wasn't like, yeah. The, the, the one really bad play he had was on the last first down the Vikings got to seal it when he accidentally screened the Packer that was trying to guard oh, okay. Diggs. Yeah. That one, I was like, oh, that was ugly. But granted, he's the guy stepping in, so it's easier to give him a pass. Like, yeah, he wasn't dropping his shorts all yeah, game yeah. long, you know, like, like some people were. Cowchip players, the worst of the worst from the, this game on Sunday. One of them going to safety, Josh Jones. And Ben, let me ask you, what was your favorite missed tackle by oh, Josh man, Jones? There were so many good ones. I really liked that one where he looked like he was going to have a really, like a really poorly broken arm tackle, and then he didn't even touch him. That one might have been my favorite one. Like yeah. if this was flag football, he still wasn't bringing guys down. Yeah. I don't think I'm exaggerating. Just dip him in pine tar, like just. I don't care if it's cheating. We got to do something. He only finished with two tackles on the day, and yeah, just the amount of missed tackles from him was like remarkable. The one time he make like made like solid contact was the touchdown that the Vikings had, and it, he hit him at like the half yard line. But the Vikings player had so much forward momentum, he scored anyway, so it didn't even like count or matter. Yeah, that was bad. That yeah. was bad. Your other cow chip player, uh, safety Tremont Williams. So two safeties here. Uh, Tremont Williams getting spun around on the touchdown by Stefan Diggs and also uh, the fumble. Not, not what do you call that, the muff on the punt, but, you know, yeah, I was, counts as a fumble. I and was gives, struggling to yeah. come up with a name for that. Like, the, I don't know, the, the black hole of stupidity. Yeah. The muff. Sucking that one in, like. I, I hate to repeat the word bad over and over again, but there's a child in here. I swear it's his bedtime. Like, I, I need to drop some F-bombs here. These were really bad plays. Oh, man. And I swear that punt blunder, did he not give in? If I'm not mistaken, he fell for that Bush League jump scare. Like, they were yelling something at him, and he was like, ooh, and he panicked, and, and it hit him. Like, if A-Rod had been on the field, he would have left him in his jock strap and a subprime loan for a Pontiac Aztec. Like, that's how badly he fell for it. Yeah. It, it, it was a, a poor game and, and dishonorable mention here to Aaron Rodgers, who, who started the game really good, and I give him credit for that awesome touchdown pass that was like they broke. Chris Collinsworth broke that one down, like how fast that came out of it. You could tell they just, like, practiced that, the timing. Yeah, that was all good, and he had a few other good, but, I mean, 
toward the end, you know, like I already said, overthrowing Devontae Adams, skipping the ball to Equinemius St. Brown at the end. There was some blame to go to Aaron Rodgers, too. Oh, yeah. See, here's just think about this. Five minutes to go in the game. We're down 10. Like I'm saying, the, the Vikings are willing to give us yardage at the expense of the clock. I'm pretty much ruling out the game, but, yeah, you got to play for it. Things still count. I, I'll take that back. But at that point in the game, he's, he's 12 for 21 with 116 yards in the TD. Are you kidding me? The announcers were done with the game. They were talking about barn swallows, <laughs> like a couple of late-season, like, fatigued Major League Baseball announcers. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Not getting anything done. Yeah. We'll leave it at that. Uh, done with our first segment here on Railbird Central. Uh, coming up very shortly, we'll be talking to Marcus Eversall of WDUZ, our interview guest today. But first, Railbird Central is unsurprisingly brought to you by Beer Rock in Madison, where on Saturday, December 8th, we're hosting an Extra Life event for charity. Extra Life is a gaming marathon. From 10 o'clock a.m. to 6 o'clock p.m., customers are encouraged to bring board games, card games, even handheld video games. For those eight hours, $1 for every beer sold will go to Children's Miracle Network Hospitals. That particular day will also feature a special tapping of Stone Brewing's Woot Stout. That's Saturday, December 8th for Extra Life. And with that, we'll pause here for a second. We're going to get Marcus Eversall on the phone. We'll be right back and talk some more Packers football. Baltar, find me another expert, one that likes me this time, okay? Railbird Central is back, and right now we're joined by Marcus Eversall of WDUZ in Green Bay. Marcus, how you doing today? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. You bet. We're glad to have you on the show. Glad to be talking some Packers football today here, Marcus. And I'm going to start with this. Obviously, it's all hypothetical, but what, what do you think are the odds the Packers make the playoffs if they indeed run the table? If they run the table, I think, I mean, it's right around 50-50, frankly. I really do think that if they run the table, there's a good shot they can get in. I'll call it a Slightly better, I'll say a Kyler Fackrell 51% chance to get in if they run the table. If you just look at who else is on the bubble in the NFC, and it's not very impressive when you're looking at the Redskins, Seahawks, Panthers, Eagles, Falcons. I think the Seahawks and Panthers are better, but not much. Uh, the Vikings, 6-4, and one of the tiebreaker there as well, but their upcoming schedule is really tough. At the Patriots, at the Seahawks, the Dolphins at the Lions and the Bears. So if the Packers take care of business and run the table, again, that's a big But if pursuit that we do that, I really think there's about a coin flip, 51% chance that they get in. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with you just because the Packers' schedule is manageable and the rest of the you know teams vying for that last playoff spot aren't all that inspiring themselves. Uh, the obvious follow-up to that, though, Marcus, is what are the odds the Packers do run the table? Uh, well, this one is, right, it is the obvious follow-up question. This is not as good. I would say, uh, I'll call it a Jair Alexander, 23% chance that they actually <laughs> do it. I mean, it, it's the easiest part of the schedule. So if you look at it, I would say they should win. We give these five like 95% of the time when you're looking at the Cardinals, at the Jets, and then the Lions 
this team beat Atlanta at home, but Atlanta's at least capable of being good. We've seen a lot of the only game they'll be an underdog is probably in Chicago, December 16th. So all of them are winnable. But when you're talking about running the table, it's a parlay factor, right? Like, you got to win all of them to get it done. One of them goes wrong, you know, you lose one of them and you're done. So I don't think it's false to say they can beat the Bears again. I don't think they will. And I'm not sure about the Falcons. But you know, the Packers play as poorly as they've played at stretches this year. Any one of these five games is losable. So they're all winnable. No doubt. Five straight wins. I'll give them like a 20% chance, 23% chance of doing it. Yeah, that Bears game sticks out as the hardest remaining game. Uh, Marcus, what, what's your concern level about the health of Aaron Rodgers after the left side of the offensive line suffered injuries on Sunday, that being David Bakhtiari and Lane Taylor? I mean, you're, you always got to be concerned with Aaron Rodgers. And, I mean, clearly he's their most valuable player, but his line side protector, David Bakhtiari, is number two. And if I can't at some point, you think about drawing Aaron Rodgers, he can't go either. I'm not saying it's time for that yet. Or he can't go Sunday against the Cardinals. You're not going to pull five. Yeah, when you're so mathematically five, but it is a concern. And when you look at the, you know, well, you like to take next man up, and, you know, you guys got to step up. Well, yeah, but they're next man for a reason. They're drop off. For a reason they're not, you know, Jason Spriggs isn't a starting club or a little and you say, well, give that back up some help. Okay, we saw that in Minnesota. Jason Briggs and Jamal Williams didn't lay a finger on Daniil Hunter, and he's back there in Rodgers. So drop off with the backyard. He's the best left tackle in the league. And the backup, Jason Briggs, is insurmountable. I mean, you can't quantify it. It's night and day. And it's got to be perfect. At some point, the decision based on Aaron like whether or not you're playing in down the stretch if you don't have the full-strength offensive line. They're, they're starting five you feel okay about. Obviously, they've been weak all year long at right guard, but beyond that, when you got to start getting into the depth, it's not there. Yeah. Um, uh, can we take a second here, uh, Marcus, to talk about how good Devontae Adams has been this season? Now that he's officially gone over 1,000 yards for the first time in his career, I figured this would be an appropriate time to talk about it. Yeah. I mean, Devontae Adams is just so good. I, I mean, really, what more can you say? I think that when it's all said and done, and I know the Packers have had, if you go back the last decade or so, you know, Donald Driver, Greg Jennings, Jordan Wilson, James Jones, Randall Cobb. There's, they've had a lot of good receivers, really good receivers, really productive receivers. I think one of the things pure talent, Devontae Adams, when it's all said and done, is going to be the best wide receiver, the most talented wide receiver that Aaron Rodgers has ever played with. Hopefully they add someone here for these last few years of his career where they can rival the level that Devontae's risen to. But the thing with Devontae with We've already seen him do this with Brett Hundley, and nobody else did. So it's like we, we used to talk about Jordy Nelson and, you know, where does he rank league and all that. And the question would always come up, what would Jordy Nelson do with a lesser quarterback? We'll never really know. It's a fair question. It's interesting to think about. I think Jordy Nelson was a really, really good player. But with Devontae Adams, 
He's just really good no matter who's playing quarterback. He was putting up the same numbers last year with Brett Hundley that he was putting up before Aaron Rodgers got hurt. Now, this year, obviously, he's going on to another year, and that contract design looks more and more like a bargain. I mean, there's just nothing else more to say. The guy's an absolute superstar. Yeah, that's some good analysis. I haven't really thought about that, how well Devontae Adams played with Brett Hundley as the quarterback. Kind of interesting. Uh, speaking of wide receivers, do, do you think we see the return of Jake Kumaro this week, and, and do you think he becomes a factor on offense for the Packers down the stretch? Yeah, I, I think Jake Kumaro actually could end up being involved here. I really do. And it, it's funny because, obviously, Jake Kumaro, you know, the whitewater guy, kind of a feel-good story. You bring up Jake Kumaro, and it almost takes on a tone of, like, a, the new Jeff Janis or some fun game and all that. But if we're being serious, I mean, watching him at training camp, I remember saying before he injured his shoulder that Jake Kumaro was closer to being the number three wide receiver than he was to the roster bubble. Throughout camp, he was better than all the rookies, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, Equinemius St. Brown, Jamon Moore, of course. He made more plays than Geronimo Allison. I mean, you could argue that Jake Kumaro made more plays and raised more eyebrows than any receiver not named Devontae Adams. So by that, it's not just a feel-good story. And if you like what you've seen from guys like Marquette Valdez-Scantling, and I think most do, and you should for a day three draft pick, if you like what you've seen from him, then how can you not be intrigued by Jake Kumaro? I mean, because we've seen both of them on the practice field throughout the preseason. Kumaro is just as good and, frankly, made more plays than Valdez-Scantling. So I'm not saying that Kumaro is going to come through and be the savior of the Packers season by any means. But when he plays... I legitimately think he'll be involved on offense. Yeah, I like what I saw from him during the preseason, and he's a bigger option than Marcus Valdez-Scantling and uh, has some speed to him. And uh, Marcus, before we let you go here, though, anything you want to plug going on at WDUZ coming up? Well, each and every weekday morning, 9 to 11, you can check us out on the fan app. We've got Air Out. I host that show. And then in the afternoon, 4 to 6, sports line and if you want an appointment listening i'm just telling you at 9 15 on thursday mornings former Packers linebacker brady Patinga joins us and he is never short on opinions or intensity <laughs> he i don't know what his 40 yard dash time is but he definitely fits more words into one minute than anybody else we have on radio <laughs> yeah we've had brady on this show too he's a blast so marcus <laughs> thanks so much for joining us we appreciate your insight uh have a good one all right all right, thanks, Brian. Appreciate it. Take care. Marcus Eversall, longtime friend of the show, joining us here at Railbird Central on a Tuesday night here at Beer Rock. And uh, time for our mailbag segment, and we're bringing back Ben. Are you ready, Ben? Oh, I love the mailbag. All right. We're going to kick it off here with TENix87 on Twitter asking, should the Packers re-sign Kenny Clark this offseason or wait another year? Sign him. Sign him. I'm, I don't want to see him disappear before you get him a nickname or someone in the Twitterverse. We need a wholesome <laughs> Wisconsin nickname. So no matter where he goes afterwards, there will always be a reminder like those little bronze oval stickers that say made in China. Just because I need something like I feel like his performance is just going to disappear because this is one of those forgettable, like underperforming teams or not even underperforming. They're just not good. And I just I'm feeling too ephemeral. I'm getting to middle age like I need something. 
So sign him. He's my favorite. He's one of my favorite Packers to watch. And, like, without him, I don't know what days of our lives. I'm just going to switch. I'm going back to days. I <laughs> how, does it, how does the math work out in reality, though? In reality, my, so, like, uh, in their, I believe it's the fifth year, the um, r- first-round draft picks, uh, teams have an option to sign them to a lucrative contract. Uh, a one-year, quite lucrative, if the team so chooses to sign them. And, and if not, they, they become a free agent. But that fifth year, they, they get a one-year contract in which they're paid very handsomely, and then they become a free agent after that. So the Packers can wait, and, and they can exercise that option uh, on Kenny Clark. And, and then at that point, uh, you know, they'd have to decide – whether to sign him or not, and the way it's looking, they will have to make him uh, a rather highly paid player for a defensive interior lineman. Yeah, well, I, I mean, he's earning it right now. Yeah. He's earning his money in advance. No doubt about it. From CJ Kell 3 on Twitter, there's been much speculation as to the future of Cobb, Matthews, and Perry due to the perceived underperformance. Do you foresee the Packers re-signing Cobb and or Matthews or possibly releasing Perry despite the dead cap space? I, with the exception of Matthews, I don't know if that underperformance is just perceived. But anyway, uh, Cobb's getting almost $13 million this year. Matthews is getting a little over 11 Perry a little under 11 And at that price, I'm not missing any of them. Like, <laughs> we could get 42.16 fackrolls with that money. Think of the sacks. <laughs> I mean, though, just like in college when I bought the cheapest food per calorie and ended up eating puffed wheat with water for $10 a month, my strategy may be overlooking something. But I, I, I'm going with 42.16 fackrolls. Yeah. He is overrated as he is. I mean, even like the announcers, when they were talking about him in this game, did you know that? They were like, oh, and the leading sacker, and the, they, they, were, yeah. they still were putting asterisks all over him. He looked like Ohio State's helmets. <laughs> this conversation was like Chris Collinsworth's like go-to like talking point. He kept talking about Clay Matthews' future. Like, I don't know if he's going to be around next year. Yeah, like we we're all <laughs> supposed to miss him. Like he's still going to be on every other shampoo ad we ever see. Like we're not saying goodbye to him. Okay. Yeah, I, I do think the Packers are probably going to have to part ways with maybe all these these uh, players, especially Cobb and Matthews. Uh, I'm, I honestly didn't look into the Perry contract situation to see how devastating it would be to part ways, like how much dead cap space the Packers would have. But the way things are trending, uh, things don't look good for any of these guys. And the, I know the Packers have a lot of good young wide receivers, uh, so that doesn't spell much hope for Cobb. No, I just don't think he's he's got it anymore. As yeah, far as he may not. what he's looking at, I mean – Nothing against him. It's just that's just the the way of the league. Yeah. Uh, from Samuel Shear on Twitter, in a lost season, what are some of the things Packers and fans can look forward to? Brian, I think you already hinted at the scraps we're left with when you tweeted a half full glass that a good play by Jared Alexander was as exciting as a touchdown. Though with the same True. digital mouth, you blasphemed that gravy was more of a star of the Thanksgiving dinner than the stuffing. <laughs> I bet you're a lousy Team Jacob member too. Are you? Team Jacob. Yeah, Taylor Lautner, Twilight. I bet you're thinking about pouring gravy on him right now. (laughs) Honestly, I've never watched Twilight in my life. No, you're not missing anything. (laughs) Talk about some pain. Um, 
yeah, that that play by Alexander, uh, it, he did have some low points later in the night, but man, that that screen pass, that bubble screen, he blew up there. The pool shot tackle. Yeah, that was awesome. I mean, it, honestly, I think that's what we we have to look at is the development of players like him, which he's already young players. Yeah, he, yeah, he's developed faster than I thought he would. Yeah. But you know, that's what we're going to have to watch, and we're. We're watching, hopefully, to see Aaron Rodgers get out of this whatever it is. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and then, well, we get to watch McCarthy get fired, which if, <laughs> if you take joy in, and in someone else's misfortune, then there's something for you. We, we just talked about with uh, Marcus Eversall, Jake Kummerow possibly coming back. That'll be fun watching him. He was I mean, the preseason darling. And we're going to win more than we lose in the end of the season here. Yeah. It's always fun to watch him win and to hear that bang on the drum all day yeah you don't get sick of that <laughs> so yeah we got that's what we have to look forward to some meaningless wins we'll say that now and then we won't say it later and we'll just enjoy it later <laughs> you know and we'll get to watch uh, certain players all right next question from peter isles on twitter uh why bother waiting to fire mccarthy until black monday Ugh, come on peter you gotta savor the moment you gotta chew your food pace yourself take a breath How's about a little firing foreplay? Just think about how it's going to feel. What sound will it make? Will Murphy's boot come down and crush his carapace in a crunch, or will it be more like lancing a yellow pustule? Will it bleed? <laughs> Let's muse. Black Monday will come soon enough. Yeah, I mean, I don't think the Packers gain anything necessarily by firing Mike McCarthy now. Uh, if there's one, I mean, they could fire him after week 16, I guess, and go into week 17 with... You know, you gotta I be, guess you got to be a really bad team. You got to be at that Cleveland Browns level where, like, firing the coach, no matter what chaos that creates, yeah. it just fires everyone up. Like, you have to really hate your coach, yeah. which the Browns did. Did you see any of that? <laughs> yeah. Oh, my goodness. Everyone went out of their way to just, like, give him the finger. <laughs> I, I, I'll throw one situation out there. What, what if Mark Murphy is convinced that Mike Pettin is the next Packers head coach? Oh yeah, then, could you could then you, you could do, do it then? Yeah, yeah, and, and I don't guess. see that happening. But I'm, you know, that's me. Yeah, and I don't see that happening. Yeah. Either. All right. So at the opposite end of the spectrum, right now, here's another question um, from NBS eight from pardon me NBS eight on Twitter, and we got a very similar question from Packers Planet on Twitter. Uh, NBS eight writes. I don't get all the blame going solely to McCarthy. Maybe only me, but he has deserved to turn this team around. He isn't a good play caller, but he is a good coach. Where do you stand? Uh, I, I agree. I think he is getting run through the mud. And I think a lot of people are aware of that. I mean, like, the mob is screaming for his head. And then, like, some of the, like, pundits are like, now it's not really all his fault, and then everything after that is like, let's talk about firing McCarthy. <laughs> like it, everybody loves getting that one talking point and just simplifying their life down to things that they can understand. Yeah, because there's a lot about it that I, you know, about the game. You're like, how does that happening? You, you can't, you'll never get the answer. It's easy to just blame the coach. I mean, I think we're getting to that point where we're sick of seeing struggling. I think we're all starting to panic at Rogers' mortality. And that's kind of pushing us to that that talk. But yeah, he's getting blamed for things that aren't entirely his fault. Yeah, I, I'm undecided on should he get fired. I think 
he will. So uh, then I'm, that's my out. Well, he's going to get fired, so who cares if he should? Could McCarthy save his own butt by saying, okay, I'm going to relinquish play calling duties and we're going to hire some hotshot new coordinator? And Oh, yeah, I mean, that, that could happen. I mean, yeah, it's all about the chemistry in the locker room and with the, the execs. You know, like if the players are all behind him, and whatever role he's on, like I don't think it matters what they're not going to fire him just to appease us cheeseheads. You think so? The way Aaron Rodgers like addresses questions about play calling and stuff like that, he's sir, the the most important player on the team and the highest paid player in NFL history. Certainly doesn't seem like he has Mike McCarthy's back. Oh no, I agree. I think he's lost the locker room to a certain extent. Yeah. So I yeah. I think that's what it would take. What if he did something, or if they made a decision, and all the players really got behind that? Yeah, then sure, he's not going anywhere. I just don't think we're there. I think everyone's kind of done with it. They want us. They want to change. We, we're. I think a lot of people are getting desperate, and they yeah. want change at, at the expense of whatever it could happen. I but, think the time has come. I think the Packers should make a change. I think they will make a change but there's a part of me that wonders like well this is conservative green bay maybe they give him the benefit of the doubt for another year i don't see that happening no no i just don't think it's that conservative anymore <laughs> mark murphy the guy who has the, the ultimate decision he seems like a conservative guy yeah. to me <laughs> but I, I don't know. Of course, it's not. You know, he he has to listen to the the uh, the board of directors, and if there's 20 people on the board of directors talking his ear, fire Mike McCarthy. Yeah, I think he just caught Mark me. Murphy's got to do it. He just caught me putting my foot in my mouth, my loafer in my mouth. I don't want to say that uh, Murphy's not that conservative. I think that the the environment in Green Bay right now is they're not. That's not an issue. I think they're yeah. ready to put the axe to him. Yeah. I'm playing uh, and I, devil's advocate here. And if I had to pick, I'd say, yeah, it's probably time to get a new coach. Yeah. All right. Question from Dead Grateful on Twitter. Is Mike McCarthy a secret Pittsburgh plant? Could winning the Super Bowl in 2010 against Pittsburgh be a false flag operation? Is Mike McCarthy secretly making the Packers worse so that Pittsburgh has a better chance to win the Super Bowl for the last seven years? That a boy, that grateful. Break oh, out the nice conspiracy hats. theory. Yeah, I like it. And so now, I like the, the direction that question went in, but I think the likelihood of a Mike McCarthy false flag coaching attack is more likely than Michelle Obama being a man, but less <laughs> likely than mind controlled by cell phones. So, like, I guess I'm leaning towards that not really. I just, that's a really poor plan. You know, like, usually these false flag operations, or at least the, the ones that are surmised to be, they're all pretty devious and well thought out. Like, this would be a pretty <laughs> poor one. You know, like. This is the long con. Yeah, oh, my goodness, is this the long con. <laughs> He would have to. He's getting being paid handsomely by the Packers. He would have to be getting paid a whole lot more by, yeah, like some what? Pittsburgh underground. Unless did they like kidnap his daughter or something? You know, like I don't know what could they have <laughs> over his head that he would. Yeah. Wow. 
another good one from from Dead Grateful on Twitter. Is it too early to bring back Curly Lambeau? Okay, this one I actually thought a, a lot about. This is a good question because, okay, first of all, we know that a necromantic returnment is best done after the body is thoroughly decayed, <laughs> lest the revitalized go into a shamble rage appalled by its dis- disgusting transients. Second, if embalmed and stored in a relatively airtight casket with any solidity, say oak, the decompensation is impacted <laughs> according to Casper's law in shorthand, eight to ten times slower than if exposed to oxygen. Lastly, Curly Lambeau, buried in 1965, as we all know, up, down, left, right, cross your heart, um, in cold earth and a capable maple box of the craftsmanship of the time. So I think to be safe, we got, um, you know, to be down to the bone building blocks for a second body, we should hold for another five years. Unless someone has a Dominican amulet or a unique wand of Oom's Lament level, I just don't think he's ready. Zombie Lambeau. The reason I thought this question was interesting, though, was that did you see in college football, like, North they, Carolina brought back Mac Brown this week? From the dead? <laughs> they brought him back from the dead? <laughs> like on a popsicle stick or what? <laughs> Man, college football is I'm disgusting. Just... <laughs> there is, there's just, like, all this, you know, terrible sexual, serial sexual deviancy, and then now they're resurrecting the dead. <laughs> But isn't it interesting that they brought him a 67-year-old Mac Brown's going to save North Carolina? Could you could you see the Packers he, bringing back Mike Holmgren? Hold on. Did they bring him back like to teach classes so that you know those yeah. free those paper classes? Yeah. Is that what he's doing? <laughs> Maybe. Oh. They don't just get free A's in there anymore. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Oh, they don't. <laughs> that wink wink. Yeah. Did- All right. Before we go, speaking of bringing back, not the dead, but did you see that terrible thing on Thanksgiving when they, they said, oh, we got a big surprise, and then they're like, Barry Sanders is back for one day only. I did not. It was so bad. Barry Sanders is back for what? I missed it. Well, it was like he was going to play. He's like, he, I'm back. I knew I had to play one more, Like, and I knew Thanksgiving <laughs> has always meant so much to the Lions organization or whatever. And then, like, they treated it like an actual news story. They yeah. brought some, you know, pundit out in a suit to waddle <laughs> around in front of a hologram and, and act like this was serious. And it was so stilted and obvious. No. And then Barry Sanders wakes up from a nap. <laughs> that, that's, that's terrible for a soap opera. Yeah. Zooming out of the snow globe. Mm. All right. Predictions for week 13. Packers at Cardinals at Packers. What do you, what do you got? The two of us could beat the Cardinals. So yeah, yeah, Packers win. I mean, Man, I'm, we're shareholders. Win. I mean, we we should like talk to somebody and, and suit up. And with what I know about getting the dead out of the ground, heck, who do you want? <laughs> Name a dead player, I'll get him. Zombie. Uh, Half of them don't know the forward. Tony pass, Canadale. But, oh yeah, <laughs> is Chuck Cecil dead? <laughs> if he like, if he's not, we got to put him down so we can get him back up and get him on our side because he's not going to play willingly on with a couple of schmucks like us. But, yeah, give me Chuck Cecil and Canadeo. Yeah. We, we got this. All right. There we go. But, yeah, I'm, I'm going. I think the Packers will actually score 30 points. Yeah? Nah. <laughs> but they'll still win. I got Packers 24-14. They win by 10. Ooh, 24 points. Good job, offense. <laughs> Equally. Ooh, is Fackrell going to go off for three sacks? Is he going to put another, like, statistical anomaly out there against a turd of a team this is this pro bowl push oh man oh that kid left can i drop an f-bomb before we go 
Go ahead. Go for it. Can I actually say it on the air? We aren't beholden but to the FCC here. All right, I'm dropping the F-bomb. Fackerel. <laughs> oh, that felt good. His nickname, do you see the on social media it's taken off Sackerel? No, oh, jeebus. That's bad. <laughs> Sackerel. He's the Roomba. The Roomba. All right, that'll do it for this week's episode of Railbird Central. Thank you, everybody, so much for joining us today. Everybody that's joining us online, everybody that's joining us at B-Rock, we'll see you later. I leave you today with a song called Golden Ghost by Lotus on uh, Sci Fidelity Records. See ya. Go, pack, go.